to the Equipping for Life podcast by Pastor Tony Paolo. Listen as Pastor Tony provides tactical tools to overcome obstacles in your everyday life. Are you mature? That's it. I want to share with you guys a story from Genesis. Can we thank the team behind me? Amazing, amazing, amazing. I want to share with you, I'm going to use the story of Noah, right? And um, um, Pastor Josiah, can we thank the team back there for, for doing an amazing job? We, first service, we didn't have any sound for like about nine minutes. Not, we had no sound. And so they came into my office, Melissa, and says, Pastor Tony, I drew the short straw to come in here and said, we can't do worship because we have no sound. This is around 9.03, exactly. So I said, okay, we're good. No stress, right? Sometimes we have to say no stress. So we mischaracterize crisis and not really a crisis. So I said, okay, just work on it. Let people just hang out and chill. Is that okay? We fellowship. And I said, for five minutes, work on it, and it does, still doesn't work, we'll sing a cappella. And it started working. It's, not, it's like not a big, not a not a big deal. Sometimes we're like, we have a crisis, and God's like, we're good. We're, we're, we're okay. Um, we're, we're good. We're fine. And so um, that was the first service, and then the second service, the sound was doing all kinds of crazy things. And then Pastor Josiah, I just found out from Angel. Angel says, I just want the sound system to go off for a moment so that we could worship a cappella. And I says, I rebuke you. <laughs> Pastor Josiah He's right over here, Angel, in the yellow. You know what his car looks like? See you after church. <laughs> Yo, he's calling you out. Oh. All right, let me preach. As I was saying, <laughs> he goes, he doesn't want that. Dude, man, he's young enough to be your kid, bro. That's <laughs> why. Genesis 6. And this is kind of a different kind of... Um, I don't want to say it's not a sermon, but it's a different kind of message because I want to share some of my um, experiences um, with the Lord for the last 20 years, specifically as it relates to this ministry that um, the Lord had me start, that it's enabling me to ordain Pastor Sherrod um, this afternoon at 2 o'clock. And, you know, sometimes I'll say things like, you know, people, because I've been doing this for 30 years, right? And anything, like Lewis, you, you, you're HVAC guy, right? And you've been doing it, right, for how many years? 15. That's a long time. But if you were doing it for 30 years, you would be considered, you're like, you're, you're an expert professional now. But at 30 years, you're like, I've seen everything. I can do this with my eyes closed. You need Freon? No problem. If you're an electrician for 30 years, no problem. How many years have you been doing signing? 50, 40, maybe 50. Wow, 50, 50 years of ministry. So we could say she's pretty good at signing, right? If you're doing everything, if you're a nurse, my wife's a nurse for 30 years. She's really good. But when, I, when we talk about, I've been a pastor now for 30 years. Like, I don't want to ever be considered a professional. Does that make sense? 
I don't want to ever come to a point where like I've seen everything and I know how to handle every situation. I could never say that because people are kind of like cray-cray, right? And so this story of the impossible with Noah is really a story, and you know me, I like to kind of like, let's see what I can pull out of this and see, I'm not going to contradict the Bible, but I'm going to contradict your understanding of the Bible, all right? And I want our thinking to stretch. This is what Genesis chapter 6 says, build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then God gives them like really clear instructions, all right, which I'm kind of surprised a little bit when I read this. The reason why I'm reading in the, in the New Living Translation is because it has, you know, it gives, us, gives it to us in feet instead of cubits. You know, remember growing up, you learned metric system. You're like, we're going to be a switch over to metric. It's going to be a big switch, and we never switched. So I did the New Living Translation because I want to know in feet. So he says, this is how I want you to construct it. The const- then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, which is 150 feet longer than a football field. All right? I want you to make the feet uh, 75 feet wide and 45 feet high. I want you to make, verse 16 says, I want you to make one opening the size of a pizza box. You got one window in this huge, giant litter box. Pack for breeze. <laughs> Think about it. This huge, and it's all wood, so you know wood absorbs everything. You got one window. That window has to be 18 inches all around. And put one door on the side. And build three decks. Lower. I remember when I was a kid, I used to picture this like a cruise ship. No. Lower, middle, and upper. One window, one door. And I was like, how many animals, Google.com, how many animals were on Noah's Ark? And Google says 36,000. Now it has to be 36,000 because Google said it, it's online. <laughs> 36,000 animals. And so, my, and, and, and as I was reading this, one thing that I picked out that I was like, wow, I never really saw it this way, was the fact that God was pretty clear on the instructions. If you're given, if you're, you, you ever buy furniture from Ikea? <sighs> like if you want to almost backslide, buy something from Ikea <laughs> and try to put it together. I'll, I'll do this with married couples. I'm like, you guys have to work on your communication. Buy a desk from Ikea and go home and put it together. And when you put it together, I want you to pay attention to your communication styles. So the instructions were pretty, are pretty clear. But there's a million pieces to this. So the thing that surprises me here is that God gives Noah clear instructions. He says, listen, get your tape measure out. 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, three levels, 45 feet high. Don't do it anymore. Don't make it any. I'm sure that there was a process in Noah's mind where he was like, I'm going to need some alone time. So maybe I should do 480 feet long. Maybe I could just have my own room, 15 square feet. No, exactly. 700 
Sabi, you dropped your phone. You distracted me. 450 feet long. Because I'm like, I dropped my phone. So the thing that surprised me, God gives him the instruction. But he tells Moses to get ready to do something. He says, so make yourself an ark. So he tells Moses to do something in preparation for something else that's never happened. So there's a plan. I always like a plan. If you're in leadership, if you're on staff, I always ask, so what's the plan? If you are doing good and then all of a sudden you mess up and then you pick yourself back up, I ask, what's the plan? What are you going to do? So I'm, I'm really intrigued the fact that God gives Noah the plan, but he doesn't give him the strategy. He says, this is what you're going to do, but I'm not going to tell you yet how. And the how part is the complex part because in Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, it tells us that it's never rained before. It says, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and no shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up for the Lord God had not yet sent rain on the earth because streams came from the earth and watered the surface of the ground. So he says, you're going to build an ark for what? Because I'm going to send a rain and it's going to flood. That's a foreign concept that requires supernatural faith in order to engage. And so, uh, you know, prophet, uh, uh, prophet Nathaniel came a couple of months ago and said it took 40 years and the ark was complete, right? So uh, commentators say it took anywhere from 30 to 60 years to complete the ark. But it took about 100 years when it started finally raining. But I've been waiting 60 years. So you build the ark, and then now you wait 60 years for it to rain. So you did your part, the plan. You're just waiting for the strategy to happen. That only strategy is a military term that only comes from the general himself. Only the general comes up with the strategy. The strategy is the how. So I love the planning. Okay, what's the plan? Okay, how are we going to do this. Now, I get myself into trouble sometimes because I ask too many questions, and I, there are times where I question God out of the picture. I'm like, how are we going to do this? When is it going to happen? What are we going to do? Okay, we got the why, because I'm pretty good. If you give me all the measurements, gentlemen, you got a tape measure. Measure twice, cut once. The price on lumber is a little still expensive, but we can get this done. Call your town hall, get a permit. Make sure you clear with your neighbors, especially with that one neighbor, that even if you put a permit on the window, they'll still call on you. Anybody have a neighbor like that? <laughs> see, I see your hand. So the plan is incredibly concise and clear to fit all of these animals. The problem here is the how. And you can come up with all excuses. Sometimes I come up with, you know what I realize about excuses? That if you don't want to do something you just don't want to do it. Don't make it, you know. I just wish somebody, somebody, some people, don't you just wish you want to say, I don't want to come to your party. <laughs> you don't have to lie and say, I got to work. You work on Saturdays? Yeah, it's a special schedule that I have. <laughs> just say, I don't want to come to your house. But you see, when you're thinking in the process of the supernatural, you cannot compute the supernatural in a mind filled with excuses. So if somebody who's been filled, somebody who's, 
I've never seen somebody who's not filled with excuses that experiences the promises of God. And so maybe during that 60 years, Moses had to work something out there. But God will always place on you something difficult. God never asks anybody to do anything easy. So in in the NIV now, and I'm going to read in the NIV in in Genesis chapter 6, verse 14. And I'm going to read in the NIV because it's it's closer to the original language. In the NIV, it says, so make yourself an ark. And that word so in in the Hebrew is a very casual word. It's almost like, yeah, what's going on, James? How's business? Yeah, man, I'm super chill, doing good, man. God has blessed me. I got a new paintbrush. Everything's good. Yeah, so yeah. So make yourself an ark. Just like that. It's just really, it's almost like, hey, so while you're at it, pull the weeds. While you're up on the ladder, just clean out the gutter for me. And it was so casual because when it comes to the supernatural and the impossible, with God, it's very casual. God doesn't say, I'm going to do something supernatural. It would be like us saying, watch me go to work. Okay. It's something you do. It's something, it's a part of who you are. So God was so casual with, with Noah having the presumption that Noah would fulfill this promise. Now, in here, it says, make yourself an ark. Don't make, the ark's not for me, the ark's for you. Obedience isn't for God, obedience is for you. See, obedience has this way of coming back and vouching for you. Obedience has this way of not only vouching for you, but also vouching for your children and for your children's children and your children's children. So when God said to Noah, build yourself an ark, believe me, you want to do this. And the interesting thing about this is like, um, you know, I was just thinking is like, I want to make this phrase. I, I have a bit of a problem with this whole ark thing because Noah didn't have control of it. In my mind, I'm thinking it was, a, it was a, a, a garage opener on his iPhone that he can control himself. It's raining. Let's set it up. Lewis installed uh, an AC in a part of our home, and guess what? I downloaded the app to control the AC because I like control. Everybody repeat after me. I like, don't look at me with those judgmental eyes. I want to know. It's giving me the weather in Central Falls. I don't know why, but it is. It's 71 right now in my basement. I want to control it. Noah didn't have an app to be able to say, okay, let's swing this bad boy around. He didn't have the technology, so the ark was essentially one big awkward bathtub that only God had the app to control. Not even a rudder. And when the door closed, guess who closed the door? Not Noah's sons, but God himself. God never asked anybody to do anything easy. And you know what I realized that in, in reading the story of Noah, like it doesn't have any details as far as like, did he struggle with self-doubt? Did he struggle with fear? Did he struggle with the critics? And we could surmise that, you know, without adding too much expression to scripture and taking the Bible out of context. Because we know that Anytime you want to do something supernatural, anytime you want to do something in stepping out of your own comfort zone, you will have critics. Everybody say, yes, Pastor Tony. You are correct. So when I was 32, 21 years ago, some of you are doing the math. I was 32, 21 years ago. I was working at a Bible college, and, and, 
there was a, uh, my wife and I were working at the Bible college, and at one of our services, there was a prophet that was prophesying over all the students, and then he came to me. And he started, and you know what sometimes when people, a prophet prophesies, and you're like, eh. well, I was like that with this guy. Um, and he said, you're going to start, you're going to be a pastor's pastor. And I'm like, okay, I'm 32, but go ahead. Um, and he says, you're going to start a ministerial association, okay? And I was like, okay. And he says, you're going to be a mentor to pastors. So my excuse was, I'm too young. But after a while, you don't have that excuse anymore, right? Angelo? So now, over the years of the last 21 years, I've been put in a position to um, mentor. And let me, tell you, let me tell you what pulled this out of me. You know what pulled this out of me, besides God's plan, was Restoration Church. I feel like every time we get together, you, the men and women of God, of Restoration Church, the, and, but you do this not just with me, you pull this out of everybody, which is why we have a high level of leadership in, in our church. We pull things out of people. In the fall, we're starting, we're starting back up Underground 101. Come on, Pastor Anthony and Tanisha. And, and we're, we're starting, well, let me say it this way. Let me back up. We're going to have one Spanish service preached by Pastor Jessica. She's going for her MDiv. So I said, Jessica, you're going to have to find yourself some musicians, you know, some conga players. And we need to have somebody on the keyboard, you know, to play that little ding ding. So why, why are we, do- here's the deal. Why, why are we doing this? First of all, God asks us to do it, and we're going to do it. Obedience always has a way to coming back and vouching. Right. So in the last couple of years, I've been put in position where and I was a young pastor. I was in my 30s where 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 the, the, the district started one time years ago, Mary, where they started this initiative, this Paul Barnabas initiative, where they said younger, older pastors will mentor younger pastors. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be mentored. Uh, yeah, I want to be mentored by somebody older. Right. And then they switched it up and they said, well, we're going to have pastors of the larger churches mentor the pastors of the smaller churches. So I was like, hmm, well, I don't know where I stand, but I'm ready for anything. So I found myself mentoring at 42 years old pastors who were 73 years old. And I'm like, this is really awkward because I feel like they should be mentoring me. You know what it is with me? You know what it is with me? Oh, I don't know if this happens to you. Now, when I share these kinds of stories, I'm not aiming to be self-disparaging or so we could be at the same level. Like, this, this is it. I've been doing this for 30 years, and I don't want to be considered a professional. Okay? So I have this thing in my head that often speaks louder than covenant. And that goes against covenant. So I'm like, I can't, I, God, I can't, I can't do that. I'm not sure if I can do that. So if you think about Noah, God is asking Noah to do something that's never been done before. Never. And Noah's like, let me just measure cut. I'm going to just do what I have the ability to do right now. You see, there are things that you have the ability to do right now. You know it's 450 feet long, 45 feet wide, high, and 75 feet wide. You, those are the measurements. Get to it. What's stopping you? You got the tape measure. You have the natural ability to cut the wood. 
But oftentimes, like, but, you know, it's just never rained before. And, and see, the thing is, once you made up your mind to begin building, it takes care of three things. It takes care of three things. And for me, over the years, it's taken, it, it's taken care of three things for me. It's taken care of my inner bully, Mrs. Fisher. I'm going to introduce you to her. It's taken care of for me. Well, it's not 100% taken care of, but sometimes I struggle with the critics. Because although I, I say in my mind, I say in my mind, I don't really care what people say about me, but I, think, I do care that they understand me. And then lastly, fear, being afraid to do something. So fifth grade, I'm nine years old, 10, ten years old. See, I struggled in school. <laughs> Maybe I got left back. Thank you. Who said that? Thank you. Thank you, Baba. And so I'm in the fifth grade, and I knock on the door to go to my science class, and, um, uh, and the door's locked, Pastor Anthony. The door's locked, and the lady behind the door says, Mrs. Fisher says, who is it? I'm like, Anthony. Anthony who? Anthony Palo. Anthony Palo who? Anthony Palo Jr. Opens the door like this much. Yes, what do you need? I'm here for science class. Well, this is advanced science. You don't belong here. You can't even master regular science. Yeah. I'm good now. <laughs> but how is it that I'm still telling her story? Why? Why am I still? Why am I? What, what's I? How many of you have a Mrs. Fisher or had one? My wife had a Mrs. who? Tillman. Tillman. Mrs. Tillman said to my wife, you will never make a good nurse. What year was that? How old were you? A junior in high school. A junior in high school, 16, 17. Mrs. Tillman says to my wife, you will never be a good nurse. Years later, my wife's a grown adult and sees Mrs. Tillman where? In Walgreens. I wish I could have had this opportunity with Mrs. Fisher. Look at me now, Mrs. Fisher. I took advanced science, and I got a C minus. Come on, C minus students. C's get you degrees. But Jessica, Pastor Jessica, you go for an A, yes? So, and then when my wife sees, get my wife a microphone. She, she sees Mrs. Tillman in Walgreens in Queens 10 years ago. But it was, it, was, it was young. Yeah, I was young. So I'm visiting my mom. I'm already married, and I'm already a nurse, and I already, you know, got my, my bachelor's degree and everything. And I'm it's a good story. And we, I'm visiting, visiting my mom in Queens, and we walk into a Walgreens. I think it was Walgreens. Um, maybe it might have been a Dwayne Reed. Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne Reed, wow. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Way Andy. back. <laughs> um, so we walk in, and I am walking, and we're in the aisles, and I look up, and I see her, and I go... <gasps> And she got me, like I saw her, and I recognized her right away, and, and it hurt me that there she was, you know? And I felt like I was a, jun a junior in high school again. I, I was in the nursing program in, um, in, my, in uh, New York City. Adelphi. And it, when, um, in the 80s, when the nursing shortage was in New York City, and they, gave the, they let the high school students to be, get in the LPN program. So I did that. And so one of my, I was, I'm like six weeks in, Mrs. Tillman said to me, 
you'll never make it as a nurse. You don't got what it takes. She said that to me. So when I saw her years later, and I had already gone through everything and got yeah, my degree. Come on now. Working, Preach and I saw it. her, I went, ooh. Like, it hurt me still, you know? My mother said to me, I said, Mom, that's Mrs. Tillman. And my mother knew the story, and she goes, I'm walking over to her, and I'm going to tell her what, what you, <laughs> I'm walking over and I'm going to tell her what, you, what you've accomplished and what you're doing, that you're a nurse now. And I said, Mommy, no, 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 no. I got, like, nervous. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I think she saw me, but she didn't say anything either. Thank you, honey. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. Mrs. Tillman, Mrs. Fisher, somehow, are we telling these stories? But she was wrong, honey. In her, I had it in me to prove her wrong, so she helped me a little bit. Anyway. It made some of made y'all feel uncomfortable. Ah! Uh, come on, those movies you watch at home? Yeah, that's another sermon. I got to stay focused here. So, so now, Mrs. Fisher, Mrs. Tillman, created this inner bully. Not the devil. And, and now, I, I, to this day, I'm like, oh, I'm, I don't know. I, you ever, you, you, remember in school when people would ask smart questions and you were like, man, they are so smart. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. And the teacher would say, anybody have any questions? There's no such thing as stupid questions. I'm like, no, there is. <laughs> there is. I've asked some stupid questions. You know when you ask a question and Mrs. Fisher's like, um, okay, Anthony. <laughs> so Mrs. Fisher now, and you, we all have a Mrs. Fisher, right? We, we create these inner voices that oftentimes don't celebrate covenant, that don't celebrate. And I would, sur I would surmise that for, for Noah, um, he probably struggled with some inner bully that he had with a Mrs. Fisher when he was in uh, the fifth grade. I want to share with you a, a text message that I, uh, that Pastor Mike, him, him and I were, were back and forth texting because I went away three days last week. I just literally just went into a cave, Ben, and didn't bathe or shower or shave or brush my teeth for like three days. It was a mess. Um, but I, I was like, Lord, I says, you know, I... I'm ready to go from a plan to a strategy. I know what. I want to know the how. Because I'm, I'm ordaining. I'm, or, I'm ordaining. Now, I'm, I'm part of the assemblies of God. I have my credentials with the assemblies of God. I, have, I am ordained with the assemblies of God. But yet, I started an organization called Equipping for Life Network, okay, that started just equipping people like you. And I blame this on you guys. You guys pushed me to the next level. And so I went from equipping just everybody, just regular people, to now equipping everybody, and specifically equipping pastors. So I started a ministry network that I'm staying with the Assemblies of God, but now I am credentialing and ordaining ministers of the gospel on the side. So consider this. It would be like you having a job working for someone and you doing a contracting business on the side kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? So that's all right? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So I'll tell you a story in a minute because I had to meet with my boss and tell him what I'm doing. And I have people, mentors in my life saying, you got you to tell him. You got to tell him. So in the last 
uh, last week in the last three days, man, I was like wrestling with God. And the goal in wrestling with God is I wanted him to win. But in understanding, because the plan was clear, the strategy was not. The strategy always comes from the general. The strategy always comes from the general. It doesn't come from anybody else or anywhere else from the general. So I, I sent Pastor Mike a text message last week, and I said, I had a pretty intense week. I'm doing a fast today. I'm 53 years old, and I realize in some ways I'm just a kid. <laughs> Getting overwhelmed and filled with self-doubt and self-questioning. I'm glad God prevails every time. So the inner bully, like I'm still thinking, I'm still, I, I, I wish one day I could see Mrs. Fisher in Home Depot. <laughs> That's a really long time ago. I don't know if she's around, but remember when you were a kid, you would think your teachers were really old and they were like 22. <laughs> she's old. She's probably like 70 or something like that. But man, it'd be really cool to find. If I ever meet her, see her, I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I'll share this story with you. But that inner, that inner critic, sometimes in, in, when I tell, and I go through the process of my own emotions and, and work, sometimes I go, man, he is really smart. I wish I was that smart. But you see, you sabotage the anointing when you compare. God anointed you, not you to be someone else. So every day is a battle, a constant struggle to deal with that inner, that inner bully. And part of my job, too, is as I push people like uh, Jessica, uh, we're doing a Spanish service because we started a Spanish church about 10 years ago. And I was like, nah, this is all bad. Shut it down. Because <laughs> we had the plan, but the strategy was a little off. So we're going to kind of experiment a little bit, right, Pastor Jessica? And then, and then we're starting this Underground 101. Because when God asks you to do something, the best thing you can do is do it. The best thing you can do is do it. So obedience will vouch for you and take care of that inner bully. And another thing it'll vouch for you and take care of, help take care of, are the critics. Anybody here have critics? If you are doing something of any significant measure, you will have someone criticizing you. I'm not talking about constructive criticism. I'm not talking about committed critics. I'm not talking about somebody who wished for you to succeed. I'm talking about there are people that wish for your demise. So I'm starting this organization. And finally, I meet with my boss, Reverend Nick Tatato. I set this appointment up in January. And I just met with him May 31st. And I am nervous. Because before I released it as his own 501c3 to be able to credential ministers of the gospel, I set that appointment up in January. To kind of not ask his permission, because when the supernatural mantle is on you, you got God's authority and release, man. So I just wanted to make sure he knew my heart. I wasn't here. You know, I'm not a rebel. Well, I am a rebel, but I wasn't rebelling against him. So we set up the meeting, May 31st. I meet up with him, and I am nervous. I have people praying. I'm like, I don't know what I'm saying. So I'm like, I, the only, I, I'm just going to do what I know to do. I softened him up with some jokes. <laughs> so I'm eating my steak sandwich, and for two hours, I'm telling him jokes. And he is crying. He goes, my goodness, you are hilarious. He says, you're like a comedian. I'm like, yeah, that's what people say. I'm funny, right? Listen, June 26th at 2 p.m., I'm ordaining a pastor. His name is Reverend Sherrod. I've I created this organization called Equipping for Life Mentoring, but, and I'm coaching, teaching tactical kingdom tools. All right, let's go. 
And you know what he said? He says, that is a good idea. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. But now the critics part coming is this. When, I'm, when we meet together and I go through different trainings and stuff like that and church planting meetings, I have people. You know, people don't have to, when you see, when you, somebody is side-eyeing you, that's criticizing, right? And, and there are people coming up to me go, hey, so what's new? And I say, Nothing. Because people who wish me to fail, you ain't getting the details of my life. You ain't even getting to see a picture of our newest grandbaby. You ain't getting her name. I'm just going to say, fine. It's warm outside, isn't it? I have enough people who are committed critics in my life, who have given me feedback, who wish for me to succeed, who push me towards greatness. But then there are people that are like, You know, it may be all in my head, but sometimes I walk into meetings and be like, Tony, Tony's here. <laughs> but you know what? I, and I used to be the person, and I'm kind of still, I, I don't know. I'm going to struggle through this. I used to be the person that I used to say, I don't care what people think about me, but I want to be understood. So if I feel like I'm not understood, then I have to explain myself. So in reality, in the last three days, as I'm hiding under a rock, God convicted me. He says, so you do care what people think about you. Ah! (laughs) Critics. And you know, don't be that person. Silence your critics through success. Don't even, you know what? You know what I (laughs) learned? All of that, just push all that aside. When God has an an assignment on your life, and we can imagine and surmise that Noah was criticized. You build an ark, it takes 40 years for you to build it. 60 years later, finally, the rain comes. There is, don't you feel like something, don't you feel like sometimes, man, there's something wrong with me. Is it just me? Am I the only one? So Noah was really isolated. Now, when it comes to critics, Paul was right there as well. And we're familiar with that passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Now, we typically use this passage for spiritual warfare and demonic activity. But I'm going to tell you the context of this. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. We've heard that scripture. We've used that scripture, right? But the context of this scripture is isn't spiritual warfare, it's Paul defending his ministry against the critic. You look at the beginning. Paul defends his ministry. So he got all this side chatter. Oh, look at him. Mike, oh, look at him. He's got the property. He's building an ark. Mike's building a, 20 years later, he's still building it. 30 years later, his permit expired. Call the town of Uxbridge. Like, after a while, man, it just seems you got the inner bullies and then you got the outer bullies speaking against God's plan for your life. And what does Paul say? I'm going to take every thought captive. Anything that comes my way. He says, this is not demonic. This is dealing with people. I'd rather deal with demons than with people. I'm going to take everything that comes my way and make it obedient. to. I'm going to demolish every argument because People are arguing against him. 
And every word that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, if you are engaged in suing, doing something radical, you will have critics. My encouragement to you is this. And I'm going to encourage myself as I say it to you. Because sometimes their method is off. But if 10% of what they say, method is off, 10% of their message, don't disqualify the whole message because of the method. Because sometimes you're like, I don't know what they're talking about, but what they said was right. <laughs> the truth is not going to always come in the form of a pillow. Sometimes it's going to come to you as a brick. The truth is the truth. And lastly, let's not ignore the reality of fear. Fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I want, you to help, I want to help understand this now. That spirit of fear is not talking about a demonic spirit of fear. Literally in that context, it's talking about your own spirit. And that's why the NIV, it uses the word timidity. God is not giving you a spirit of timidity, which is closer to the original Greek. God is not giving you a spirit of timidity. And there are times when I was 32 years old, this guy's prophesying on me saying, I'm going to start a ministerial association. Guess what I did? I backed away from it. I says, I ain't doing that. So this is where you're at now. God has given you the instructions. God has given you the measurements. God has given you the plan. And he's waiting on you to begin construction of the things that you're, you know what you have to do right now. Oh, I want this strategy. I'm, I'm into next level stuff, but you're not being a good steward of the current level. Right? And this is the whole thing of, of, of submitting your life. Submission. The plan is the mission. So when we submit and we live our lives through submission, we're coming under the mission. We're coming under the mission of the Lord. And what's the secret here? See, the secret for Noah, because Noah found the secret even before he started building the ark. Because in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, before he got the instructions, the Bible says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Before Noah did anything, he already found. And that word found in the Hebrew is not Noah finding, but is favor finding Noah. It's favor being delivered to Noah. So this is interesting because we would say, wow, Noah had faith because he built an ark and he did all this. No, Noah found favor before he did anything. So there are times where I sit in service and I'm like, wow, what have we done to ever deserve this sweet presence of Jesus? Favor? found you. And obedience magnetizes you to favor. That's it. Well, Noah's awesome. He, no, he was, he was amazing before he did anything. And I'll prove to you, Genesis 6, 18. He says, I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark. He didn't say you will enter the ark, do everything. You gotta, I'm, I'm going to test. You better pass my test. 36,000 animals. 
And then after you do it, and then impress me, then I'll create covenant with you. He, you know, he says, I'm going to create covenant with you and then go home depot. So you, try, you're, you have a performance mentality. Like, I got, let me build the ark first. I want to make sure that when God takes the tape measure out, it's 450 feet long. Yes, now I can have favor. No. Favor finds you because you spend time with the general who has this strategy. Now prove it to the next level. Genesis chapter 7, verse 5. And Noah did this. And Denise did this. And Angelo did this. So now Noah is doing everything. It wasn't the tar that caused the ark to float. It was his obedience. The Bible says that the ark floated safely across the waters. Obedience caused you to be buoyant. You feel like you're sinking? Obedience, if you're obedient, you're not sinking. If you're faithful and obedient, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. And Noah did this. That's it. So this afternoon, I mean, I, 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 oh, Pastor Tony, you know what? Sometimes people look at me and they go, he knows what he's doing. I kind of not, not, don't do. Yes. <laughs> I remember when we, 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 we started a, a medical clinic in, in Guatemala. And we started a dental clinic about 10 years ago in Guatemala. If you would have said 20 years ago, Pastor Tony, you're going to start a me- dental clinic, medical clinic, we're going to be like, no. We never started one. So the opportunity came for us to start a, med- a, dental, a dental clinic and a medical clinic. So I said, well, um, people are like, where do we start first? I'm like, well, we need a dentist chair. That was good, right? That's revelation. I was like, I've never bought a dentist chair in my life. So I'm sitting at my dentist, and I'm like, listen, I'm doing this thing in Guatemala. He says, that is so cool. I want to go. I said, I want to buy a dental chair. I said, where do I buy it from? He goes, oh, from Mexico. I'm like, he goes, yeah, that's where all dentists get their dental. I'm like, what? It's close. It's great. Next to Guatemala. Perfect. Give me. And we started. $5,000. Oh, we need $5,000 because it costs $5,000 to buy a dental chair. So we raised $5,000. Oh, it needs another $1,500 to ship it over. I'm like, we'll raise another $1,500. We get the dental chair there. I'm like, yay, dental. Let's open up a dental clinic. I'm like, oh, no, we need a, a compressor. I'm like, didn't you know this before, Pastor? No! So we were like, where do we go for a compressor? Well, we got to go get a compressor in Guatemala City, which is eight hours away. We go get a compressor in Guatemala City. We come bring it back. And we're like, okay, we're ready to go. Oh, you're still missing a generator. Because you don't want to have somebody working on your teeth and the power goes out. I knew the plan. The strategy was given step by step. Lord, reveal and then I'll do. No, you do and then I reveal. And it should be practical now because this favor has found you. You found favor. You have, when you have confidence with God, you do things that cause other people to side-eye you. You do things that at times that inner bully will speak louder than covenant. You do things that sometimes the critics, sometimes I just want the critics to disappear. And then the spirit of timidity. Woo! All just kind of works all together. I know the plan, 
if I want to know the strategy for something that's never happened before, I got to spend time with the general. Follow through. What is it that you're waiting? You say you're waiting on God, but God's like, I gave you the booklet with specific measurements of how many two-by-fours you need. I'm waiting on you, says the Lord. I'm waiting on you. Overcome? Prove it to Mrs. Fisher, and you can do it. How many of you still have a Mrs. Fisher that's like around? Still around. Yeah, you do. Some of the younger folk. It's real, man. Make sure that you hang around with people that champion covenant that is happening. When you walk into a room, Jamie, you want to hang out. Hang out with people that when you enter a room, people go, come on, everybody give a round of applause to Jamie. Jamie! That's what you want. But if you're constantly bringing part, there's some of you that you are purposely engaging in connections of Mrs. Fisher's, all in the name of, well, I got to tell them about Jesus. Yeah, but you're drowning as a result. You're supposed to save them from drowning. And you got to distance yourself from some of those critics. And that fear, that spirit of timidity, God is giving you a spirit of love. Because perfect love casts out all fear. When I'm loved, causing me to put my shoulders back. When I feel that God, the heaven and earth, loves me, I'm like, let's go. Let's go. So I, ha- I created, <laughs> you guys will laugh at this. So I created a ordained card for Pastor Sherrod and a certification. So I was like, I never did an ordination card before. So I said, let me look at mine. See, assemblies of God. At Google. I was like, let me just change things around. Let me tell you, man, when the authority is on your life from the outside, it looks like you know what you're doing. But on the inside, you're saying, God, I'm just a kid and I need your help. I need your help. And that's it, Lord. We just stand here, not struggling in turmoil. But we're going to struggle. In our struggle, we're going to gain another yard. In our tension, we're going to hit the ball. In our struggle, we're going to grow. So for those who are here today, right now, this afternoon, the Lord has commanded you. He's given you the instructions. It might be Ikea style, but you've got to start somewhere. My question to you, it's what's keeping you? Get going. Start. Right now. Nothing's stopping you. And Pastor Jessica, if this one service works and that keyboard can play nice, then maybe we'll do a second service. What's stopping us? Nothing. Am I stopping you? Nothing. She's not stopping. There's nothing... We have a building. We have people. We're going to decide, let's do, 
what seems right to us in the Holy Spirit. Seems good, let's go. Nothing is stopping you. Nothing at all. 450 feet long. 75 feet wide. 45 feet high. One window. One door. Three decks. God has control. God is the only one that has the app. When I downloaded the app on my phone, they're like, oh, can I have the app too? I'm like, no, only daddy has the app. You don't have the app. Your father has the app. Be completely comfortable with the fact that nothing masters you but the master. Let's stand. Let's stand. Go ahead, Christian.